Hi, and welcome to the Pet Healer Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Mitzi Vargas. And today I was going to do a little pause in my Meridian's Countdown um, that I've been doing in the past episodes because I had asked our listeners if they wanted me to answer questions that I will more than gladly um, answer your questions. And so, of course, you know, I got several already and rather than have 50 questions, I will just try to do some podcasts in which I will answer a little bit more deeply the questions. So the first question that I received was um, basically what was my opinion about the dental cleanings and uh, in regards to health and why are they so expensive? (laughs) So unfortunately, uh, high quality medicine doesn't come cheap. If you really want to do something well done and with the level of care and quality that you would do for a person um, when it's, it comes to veterinary medicine, then there is going to be a lot of equipment and investment in time and training uh, on the part of the veterinary team. When it comes to dentistry, we do advanced dentistry or practice and we believe firmly that the dental health is a, a doorway to uh, health in the whole body. Remember what I said in previous episodes that the body is not multiple parts, but it really more like an ecosystem. And so the mouth is the receiving, the opening um, of that uh, Gucci, the food and everything. And it, it's... Uh, highly vascular there's a lot of blood vessels and um, sensory input from the mouth and so any problems in the mouth will affect your circulation pretty quickly so in humans there is a study that links gingivitis with heart disease it's a famous study uh, and they studied these people that had uh, problems with uh, periodontal disease and gingivitis and they and they you know auscultate and check echo their, their heart. And they saw that there was a high number of them that had valvular disease. And the reason the they had the, the mitral valve and the other valves of the heart were diseased is because bacteria would collect in those valves and would cause the valves to contract and get inflamed and not move and close as properly as they should. And so I often joke around saying that Dogs and cats are like little people with fairy coats, but it's the truth. And so what happens um, in humans can be um, really uh, extrapolated and interpreted as something that can happen in dogs and cats as well. So the oral health is super important in my uh, quest for increasing longevity on the pets and wellness uh, care in, in my patients. But one of the things that I was going to say is that I wish I had a magic wand and I I wish I had x-ray vision, but I don't. And so oftentimes people ask me to look at their mouth and give them an estimate for a dental cleaning or a dental intervention. I call it dental assessments because cleaning the teeth doesn't take much. It honestly is just a little machine and you just clean the teeth. That's not a problem. 
the the complications of a dental uh, assessment is that you have to if you're going to do it right you have to do blood work pre-surgically uh, to determine if the animal is in good shape um, if the if the pet is over seven or ten years even ten years and we have a lot of seniors I strongly recommend um, an x-ray of the chest to make sure that there's the heart is in uh, normal size and range and that there isn't any uh, problems with the trachea, the, air, the airways uh, or the lungs or anything that could uh, cause any issue or complication with anesthesia. Because sadly, when we go to the dentist, we open the mouth and they just, you know, uh, clean our teeth and we spit in the cup and that's it. But with the dogs and cats, they need sedation. They're not going to do that. To do x-rays on the dogs and the cats, there's a very sensitive sensor, uh, very uh, fragile sensor that we have to put in the mouth. And so, of course, the animal has to be um, totally anesthetized to be able to take the x-rays on each tooth. And we do that because that's the only real way to know, A, is this tooth healthy? B, if it's not healthy, uh, do I need extraction or can I save it by either cleaning, doing a, a, an under the gum kind of cleaning and adding uh, bone implants or antibiotics or anything like that. And C, if I take it out because it was disease, then I need an x-ray post-extraction to make sure I didn't leave anything in there. Because you don't know how many times I've gone to do a dental cleaning on a pet that has been seen elsewhere where they do not have x-rays. And uh, I am looking for disease in the mouth and persistent pain in the mouth and um, other issues in the mouth. And when I x-ray, there's a bunch of retained uh, roots in there or infected roots or cysts or other issues that are caused um, by the bone loss that happens when you have an infection. And so there's a lot of difficult cases that I have had to uh, intervene. And they've come to me for holistic care or integrative um more natural care. And I said, well, we can't start to have a healthy animal until we take care of this issue with the mouth. And so, yes, I do have a lot of advanced training in dentistry because I, I do think it's very important for the health of the animal. Sadly, um, all these uh, digital x-rays and blood work before, x-rays in the chest, all of those things add up. And, uh, and, and it could be quite pricey, but I feel that the perspective is it's an investment in the health and longevity of your pet, that you should not wait until you have a diseased mouth to intervene, that after three years of age, there's about 70% of all pets have some sort of pathology under the gum. So at year three of life, you know, we should probably start doing an assessment under anesthesia for the teeth. That's what I want to call it. I don't want to do it dental cleaning because that's just a, you know, that, that's just something we do, the cherry on top. We just clean the teeth, but we're going to assess it. And uh, I hope that I answered the question, why is it the, um, you know, is it really important uh, to the health and 
uh, to you as an integrative practitioner and why it's so expensive? So that was the question I hope I answered. Um, and on the same vein about saying that this is, a, you know, prevention, medicine, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing, I wanted to answer the next questions. Um, the next question was, is there a test to determine cancer? Um and uh, this is from a person. I, I'm not going to go into detail, but the person was uh, uh, sent me a big old email saying that her previous dog died of cancer and uh, at age 11, and now her five-year-old was diagnosed with cancer and uh, that she's devastated. And uh, is there anything that she could have done or any test that she could have done to determine if um, there was a, a cause or, or, or a root of cancer and could she had, you know, intervene early on. So this is a good question because cancer is one of the leading causes of death in pets. I know in people it is, we know that. Uh, breast cancer, colon cancer, very common in people, prostate cancer, um, and ovarian cancer, all of those are very common in people um, and in pets as well. But the leading cause, uh, you know, one of the leading cause of death in pets in the United States is cancer. However, when you look at uh, senior uh, pets, when you look at senior pets and the diseases that they get, the most curable of them is cancer. So, because they do get um, liver and kidney disease, and those are progressive. Oftentimes, they don't have a cure. And same with diabetes. They're progressive. They, they get worse. And, uh, you know, you can manage, but you cannot cure. Uh, and then the cancer, there's a lot of cancer, skin cancer, breast cancer, you know, uh, gum cancer, there's so many uh, areas. Every every single tissue in your body can develop cancer, right? Because cancer is just an abnormal growth, a crazy, dysregulated growth of cells. And so uh, when we talk about cancer in pets, yes, there is actually a test that you can do to determine if there is a possibility that your pet develops cancer. It's not very well known. And it is not in the regular blood uh, screening that we do annually. But it should be. Only if you have a breed that is predisposed to cancer, like golden retrievers, which are very popular, super sweet. Boxers, which are super sweet again, super friendly. Um, those breeds are beautiful, but they are uh, plagued with a lot of cancer. And so if you have one of those two, or German Shepherds, which have... Again, a lot of uh, carcinomas uh, that affect them. You, what you would like to do is to um, to have this uh, screening test. And I'm going to talk about it. But again, who else would be interested in doing a uh, screening test for, ca for cancer? It would be um, seniors. So again, if, if a large dog, a senior age, starts at six or seven uh, and in the Giant breeds starts at five. So uh, Burmese Mountain Dog or um, Great Pyrene, they are seniors after five. Um, big Rottweilers, after five, they're considered, you know, after middle age. And so uh, Chihuahua, you know, can get 
to 13 in really great shape and then can be considered, you know, uh, super senior afterwards. And But, you know, these large breeds, they don't live as long oftentimes, and that's why they, they mature, they decay faster than the little dogs. And so you have to be, you know, very aware of that. Because in your human life, well, I had the pet for seven years, but that's a long time in in dog years. And so, you know, that's some little perspective that I want you to have when you look at your companions and your furry babies. And so uh, one of the things that I would recommend is if the dog that you have, if, if it's related to another litter that you know of and that they have been diagnosed with cancer like lymphoma or any other cancers, then I would definitely, that would be one that I would screen, uh, even if it's not a senior, even if it's three years old. I would start with yearly screenings for the cancer test. And the cancer test that I want to talk about is called the Cancer um, Risk Assessment. It's a, it's, so again, it's a risk assessment test. It tells you if you're going to develop cancer in the next six months with an accuracy of 87%. And for four months, you know, you're going to develop cancer in four months is 100% of the cases. This was a big study that was done. Um, and uh, definitely they found out that uh, the there are some, some markers um, that will go up if there is cancer. So there's a different thing. The, the cancer risk assessment is very specific. It doesn't go into the organ, you know, type of deal. I recommend regular blood work anyways, uh, annual wellness screening for every single pet. It doesn't have to wait until they're seven. And they're in that annual uh, blood, blood work screening, there is an enzyme called alkaline phosphatase. That enzyme is related to inflammation. It can go up with Cushing's disease. It can go up with liver disease oftentimes. And really any kind of inflammation process in the body will elevate the alkaline phosphatase. So if I have a dog that had a blood screening and had a high a alkaline phosphatase, but we have no symptoms of anything else, and the dog is healthy otherwise, this might be a good follow-up test, which is the cancer screening test. Okay, so what is it doing? It's looking for inflammation and why? Because inflammation is the pathway to cancer. It's been, uh, it, many studies have proven this, that uh, when you have chronic damage to the tissue, chronic inflammation, that's when the cancer cells, uh, they, they get disturbed. There's some cellular, cellular can, uh, levels, uh, changes that are at the level of the cell. And then those changes then program that cell to replicate and, and just uh, multiply, but multiply crazily when it shouldn't be multiplying because, you know, you have certain cells and uh, those cells are supposed to have a normal lifespan and they are supposed to change. But in cancer, they don't follow the rules of the normal lifespan and they multiply and multiply and multiply. So there are many levels in the cancer development. First, there is inflammation. 
of some kind, right? Some trauma, some tissue inflammation. Then over time, there's some leakage of some enzymes in the body that the body, you know, start, some of them are because it's a response to the body. And then the other ones are just leakage from those uh, tumor cells. And then that's how you can um, determine if, if use those and determine the levels in the blood and see if you have a problem. So the first one that I want to talk about is in dogs and cats, and it's called the C-reactive protein. Actually, it's a human test. So C-reactive protein is made in the liver, and it's a response to uh, the initial inflammation, initial uh, cellular cellular uh, changes. And so uh, definitely that's one of the things that... Um, we suspect when when the animal is when, when we're doing regular blood screen, we might have an alkaline phosphatase that is elevated, or we may not. But we have weird symptoms. So the owner comes to me and says, "I don't know what it is about fluffy, but fluffy, but fluffy usually comes and he's happy to see me in the afternoon. He's not doing that, and he's sleeping more, and he's not uh, sleeping through the night, or you know, or he's not eating as much, or." It's something, you know, that there's always the owners, you know, you're so bonded to your pet and you know changes. So I always pay attention. I may not have a clinical symptom of disease, but if I have a suspicion of the owner and the owner tells me that there is something going on, then I, I just go with it because I know you guys know your pets better than me because you live with them. And so you know these things. So one of the things that I... I I tell people that the first, the C-reactive protein doesn't mean that you have cancer, but it means that you're at high risk, that you have enough inflammation that the liver is involved and that the liver is trying to respond to, to, to that inflammation. And so this is when we look everywhere and we, uh, we're in a stage that probably um, we can maybe even change course. You know, we remove whatever is causing the inflammation. Perhaps it's the food. You change to this food and ever since you changed the diet or perhaps it's uh, chemical stuff. You started a new flea or tick prevention. You switch from the other brand and now since you started, it's acting a little bit off and you don't know exactly, but it's just off. So maybe those are the things that could, I mean, stress can do it, chemical uh, toxins can do it, reactions to it. Um, and then, of course, disease. Uh, some some parasites, some bacteria, some viruses could chronic um, could be chronic in an animal. It could be a carrier of something. And and so if you remove that, then the liver goes back to a normal homeostas- homeostasis uh, state, and then uh, we avoid cancer. But if we don't and if we persist, then the, the cells are going to change and start replicating. Once that happens, some of them will leak another enzyme it's called the TK1. Uh, and TK1 stands for thymidine kinase type 1. And so that leaks out of those cells, uh, those little growth of cells. And uh, that tells us that, yes, there is definitely, most likely, a growth present somewhere in the body. So if you have a C-reactive plus the um, TK1 elevated, that's pretty damning evidence that you have a cancerous process somewhere in the body. 
And then, of course, we actually, in cats, we have a different marker. It's called haptoglobin, uh, and uh, that haptoglobin goes up with cancer as well. So that's one thing that we watch in cats. But going back to dogs, uh, then I like to check the vitamin D level and the vitamin B12 level or cobalaquin in the blood. Why? Well, with COVID pandemic, we know a lot about vitamin, right, support, and how vitamin C, taking one gram of vitamin C and using vitamin D, making sure your levels are well above what the ranges are. I'm not talking about if they say a range of 50 is normal, you should have at least 150, you know, because uh, the COVID pandemic is a big insult to our immune system. It's a big challenge that we have to overcome. So we have to make sure we prime our, our, our immune systems to handle that. So the same with our dogs and cats or little people with furry coats. They need a good vitamin D. They need sunlight. And a lot of our cats may not get enough sunlight. A lot of dogs um, that are totally indoors because they're little tiny and here in Florida, you know, baby little um, teacups and, and, and little dogs are, it's just so dangerous to walk them outside with hawks and things like that, that oftentimes they don't have enough sunlight. And so, of course, we need sunlight to activate the vitamin D and make calcium and, and do all, so many Enzyme systems depend on vitamin D. That is important to have a to have a good level. And so this screening, the cancer risk assessment test, includes those vitamin D levels. And we want to make sure that we have the right ones for your dog or your cat. And then the B12, because the B12, or also known as cobalaquin, it's a a very integral. Uh, um, material that we need for multiple enzyme systems in the body. We also need it for our gut biome. And a lot of people call the gut the biggest organ uh, for immune you know, system because it's just so big, obviously, and there's a battle, immunity battle happening in that wall of the intestines a lot of the food is absorbed and then a lot of uh, enemies uh, bacteria viruses parasites attack the body and the that wall is what you know was our, our fort against them invading our system our body system our our organs and so the vitamin b12 level is very important vitamin b12 it's in the dog food and vitamin D is in the dog food as well. And mo other multiple vitamins. But did you know that the vitamins that the um, organization that is, uh, um, you know, that is uh, the that did the guidelines for the food uh, in dogs and cats, they just have a minimum. Um, they just have a minimum requirement. It's just a little range. It's a minimum that you can get. And as long as you are good with the minimum, then that's great. But some of these vitamins degrade with time, with certain processing, and with storage. So some of these foods that are commercially obtained, they could be in a warehouse for 10 months or years. Who knows? And so as time goes on, these 
there's some degradation and oxidation of that food, and uh, it's not going to be as good as, as it says in the label. So not only that, dogs are not ranges, and they're, 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 not, they're not minimum requirement. Dogs are individuals. They breed, they age, the food, the love in the home, the, the, the physical, the environmental health. All of these factors affect how uh, the animals, uh, the, the dogs and the cats, um, react to food and uh, what are the requirements. They vary because there's so many factors affecting genetics. Um, there's so, just so much. And so, of course, if there's so many factors affecting the way that the um, pet uh, can absorb that nutrient or the level that they need to operate at an optimal. I'm not talking about minimum performance. I'm talking about optimal. I'm not talking about getting by. I'm talking about abundance, about having enough immunity in your body, enough prime that immune system so good that it doesn't matter what comes in front of you, you're prepared to uh, challenge and you'll go ahead and uh, win the battle. And so when it comes to that, we have to uh, make sure that our pets get enough B12, enough D, and uh, good food. That's so important. The food is so important. So anyway, so this cancer risk assessment test is being amazing. It's scientifically validated. And it was um, an university that came up with it and did a big um you know, study on it, over 300 dogs. Uh, so it was pretty big, large study. And uh, so now we are able to use that test, the cancer risk assessment test, and test uh, once a year uh, for just minimum, really, once a year. If your dog had had cancer previously and you want to make sure that the cancer is not growing again, then do it every six months because, again, it has a predictive value of 87% of, uh, you know, accuracy. With 87% accuracy that it will predict that you will get cancer within the next six months. And so if you do it every six months for an animal that, for a pet that just survived cancer, um, then that will tell you. Also, pets that are undergoing chemo will probably benefit greatly on knowing, first of all, are you having a good D level and a B12 level? And also, um, just a, as a follow-up after the chemo or the intervention, whether it was surgery or whatever it is that we did, radiation, um, uh, chemo, uh, even, uh, you know, new, new methods like using ozone, uh, the gas ozone, injecting it into the solid tumors or injecting it rectally in animals. This is another treatment, this alternative medicine treatment, but it is definitely scientifically validated to treat uh, cancer. And I want to talk about it in probably a, another segment, but uh, there's a lot of treatments that how do you know if you if you are actually uh, get winning the battle against cancer? So this test could also be uh, a follow-up test. could be like a uh, screening test, yes, to know if you have it, and uh, before or after treatment. And so 
I hope that these two questions were answered in totality, that you don't have any more questions. But if you do, remember that you can go to uh, the Pet Healer podcast and contact us there. You can subscribe to uh, my podcast and uh, communicate there as well. And uh, also my email, drmitzi at gmail, um, is a great uh it's a great one, and Dr. Mitzi at the Pet Healer Podcast. So we have multiple ways of uh, getting your questions, and I love answering them uh, because, again, I really want this podcast to be uh, educational but also helpful for all my listeners. Thank you so much for your attention, and please um, have a safe holidays and uh be on the lookout because we are going to continue some of these uh, uh, meridians. I remember uh, that we have to look at uh, the last yin organ uh, meridian, which is pericardium. So that's the next one that we're going to um, do. I wanted to f to start with the fire element, which I did with heart, and I wanted to finish with the pericardium again in the fire element. So looking forward to our next a next one and uh, take care until then well thanks so much for listening guys and uh, information about this episode came from my book Alvet the revolutionary pet care and longevity solution available in Amazon at our clinic and soon to be an audiobook so look forward to that and this episode was sponsored by my practice Orchid Springs Animal Hospital and our website is www.osahvsinvictorets.com, osavets.com. There's a lot of information out there if you want some more information on integrative pet healing. And our Pet Healer podcast is going to be available in all platforms. So we're looking forward to seeing you again.